And welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is the Parker Jotter. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y, creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us on our social media to keep up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use our subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website. Or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. All right, so today we're talking about the Parker Jotter, but first I want to say thank you to everyone who has uh, continued to, to support our number two, Murdy number two post binding launch. It's been awesome. It's been exciting. There's been a lot of really cool uh, things that have come out of it, a lot of great suggestions and things like that. And I, although we're running really low on stock, I'm hoping that we might bring it back uh, more fully in the future with a lot more options. So thank you to everyone who supported that. Uh, for those of you who checked out our Instagram uh, last night, we were posting, I, I was posting some photos of um, a, a new technique that we're working on offering for our shale color, which is this automatic distressing look. It creates an incredibly beautiful patina on the leather. It shows off all of the intricate colors and, and all of the, the cool things that come out that. So if you haven't got a chance, go check that out. And then uh, if you'd like that, let us know. We're happy to do that in-house. Otherwise, if you'd like to take your shale that you get on Amazon or elsewhere, and uh, feel free to do that yourself. It's, it's a pretty simple technique, and it creates a really beautiful uh, beautiful design. All right, so today, actually, our episode might be a little bit longer. Uh, I, I figured because it's Saturday, we have a little more time, and I want to talk a little bit more about kind of a bigger bigger idea, which was this concept of the Parker Jotter. And I want to go into a little bit of the history of the Parker Company, the Parker Pen Company. And uh, I think it's a good example of uh, quality, innovation, and a lot of wonderful things that we also want to espouse here at our company. Uh, and it's a good, I got a little personal story, kind of how I got into it a little bit. So this actually comes as a suggestion from my father, who uh, is, is someone I have known to use Parker pens since I was little, and since I was a very little child, actually. I, I remember my father carrying around a lot of different kinds of Parker pens. Now, one of the reasons, as he pointed out, that he carried them was because some of his patients worked for the Parker Pen Company. He was a doctor in, in Janesville for a long time, and uh, that was where the Parker Pen Company uh, made their pens. And so he had a lot, Janesville's got a rich history with, with both the, the local GM plant and the local Parker uh, Pen Company. So there was a lot of uh, his patients who were involved in those, those areas of manufacturing, and so he liked to carry the pens out of solidarity and to show, um, showcase the company. So that's how I first got introduced to the Parker Pen concept. The Parker Pen Company was the little arrow on the top of the pen, uh, the pen notch. And that was how I got started and how I, I learned to love the pens. And then eventually I went to George S. Parker High School in Janesville, and I'm very proud of that. Go Vikings. And so we had a, a, great, uh, a great concept to kind of, it was a great honor to him to be part of that and to be at, at that high school and everything. So I, I wanted to learn a little more about the pens. And, and then eventually I found um, a Parker Jotter, which actually the first one I ever used, I'd stolen from my mother, who got one as a confirmation gift when, when she was confirmed. Uh, and I loved using it. It's, it's still one of my favorite pens to use, although she took it back now since I have my own Parker pens. But the Parker Jotter is, for those of you who don't know, I feature it a lot on our photos on Instagram. It's a slim, uh, very, very sleek looking, the one I have is metal, but they do make plastic versions of the plastic ends, but it's a very sleek, slim metal ballpoint pen with a, a very classic click and a very, very, very clean feel to it. It's very, very durable underhand, and I love writing in it. It's very slim, so it, it feels very... Um, 
it, it feels like you're holding a magic wand in your hand. It's very uh, fluid in the way it's it, it flows in your hand, and it's very portable. It's very comfortable, and it fits well, and it's kind of professional looking. So I, I love all of those factors about it. I also love that it writes very, very clean and smooth. Parker was very famous for having very good ink. So one of the things they were known for was their specific color blue. Now, I use black predominantly, but I have quite a bit of the blue ink around as well. They were very famous for their, their selection in blue ink. And one of the things George S. Parker was known for was writing thank you notes to everyone in, by, in, by his hand in the famous Parker blue ink. And it's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful testament to his his de- dedication to his const- customers, his partners, all the other things. And I, I think it's a good practice for those who are looking at um, developing a culture of of gratitude and empathy, like I talk about on our podcast. To to do that, those thank you notes really can can be a nice demonstration, particularly in a world where very few people write. It's a great way to to really develop a clean um, a clean way of, of of showing that that gratitude. So. Um, just a little bit of the history of, of Parker. Uh, it's, it was founded by George Safford Parker, and it was est- established in 1888, uh, when at a time when short life pens and ink leakage were two major problems in the writing industry. George Safford Parker is determined to change the face of writing. This is directly from the Parker Pen Company's website, where they list their history. So in 1863, uh, he starts selling pens to his students to make ends meet, uh, and he creates the unexpected. He invents a pen without ink leaks. By uh, 1889, his wish has come true. George Safford Parker patents his first fountain pen in 1889. By 1894, he uh, in another invents another uh, way, a system of capillary action to return the ink to the pen, which helps prevent leaks and helps keep it uh, nice and, and clean, which for anybody who's written with a fountain pen is a real problem. Uh, in, in 1898, he uh, invents, he patents the slip-on outer pen cap, and by 1905, the Black Giant, the precursor of their very famous duofold fountain pen, is launched in response to consumer demand for large fountain pens. So he himself was an, a very innovative person who was really dedicated to creating good quality and solving the problems of the time by creating and, and me- meeting the quality demands that the people needed. And he did a great job coming up with new things and patenting them. Um, by 1921, they launched their first, the dual full pa- fountain pen known as Big Red. It is the most contemporary pen of its time, but it's also the most prestigious and expensive. So you can understand why for me, I, I really I really love you know the Parker Pen Company and kind of what it stands for because I myself am trying to to embody that same sentiment in our in our journals here, that quality, that commitment to creating something that's really going to last and it really means something. Um, by 1924, they venture across the Atlantic, opening the first distribution business in London. The British office sends Parker pens all over the continent. So there was uh, he expanded globally. He was very uh, globally minded in a time long before there was a really good way of doing that. I mean, after World War One, that that was kind of the beginning of, of some of the the opening up of the world. And I think they were one of the earlier innovators in that concept. And then by 1954, although the ballpoint pen emerged in the mid 40s although it was invented in 1880-something. Parker waits until this date to complete the collection with the Parker Jotter, the first quality ballpoint pen with large refill. Now, obviously the the company's got a rich history after that, but the the ballpoint pen, the Parker Jotter, uh, is a a really incredible innovation from the standpoint of the writing technology. Now, the, uh, the ballpoint pen actually has a lot of different methods of kind of being able to be done, but one of the things that, that Parker was so 
interested in and they, they developed a lot of that techni technology around was the idea of sintering. So sintering is when you take a bunch of metal um, particulate, right? Small pieces of metal that have been finely, finely milled. You create, you, you take it and then you press it and you apply electricity and heat and pressure all at the same time. And you kind of basically crush those particulates together to create a solid mass. Now, the advantage of sintering as a technology is that it creates a porous metal, which was very important when they invented the, the ballpoint pen as a method of being able to last to be able to be durable enough a substance durable enough to be able to last for a long time and to be exposed to a lot of conditions but that at the same time was able to basically take in the ink and then put the ink on the page so that ballpoint they talk about the ballpoint it's literally there's a ball in the end of the pen that is sintered together and then that sintered ball stays there and rolls as you roll through your pen as you write and it essentially takes ink from one side and spits it out the other now, because of the way it's sealed and because of the technology that's involved, it's able to keep the ink from drying up. It's able to keep the, the, the nib of the pen, the, the very front tip that's the writing part, durable. And it's also able to create a nice clean look without having it be like a marker. So that technology is incredibly cool, was very interesting to develop, and there's a great history about that. There's a company in Janesville that I believe was a spinoff when the Parker Pen Company left Janesville called SSI Technologies, and they do some of the sintering to this day. That's one of their things that they do. So there's a lot of applications to the technology that they developed. One of the people that was, the, well, the final chief physicist of the Parker Pen Company was named William Heiser. Wonderful man, and uh, he knew my father, and my father knew him, and he was the chief physicist for the Parker Pen Company, studying metal, and kind of the metal associated with making pens, which is a very important thing. Allies, and developing that quality control, and having all of those individual components um, being the right comp composition is, is so vital to their long-term their long term quality. So I had met him, and uh, one, the first time I met him, I was in high school, and I was just fresh off my new latest uh, perpetual motion machine idea that I've been working on, which at the time now, looking back, I thought it was the greatest invention of all time, of course, and he was very polite and very kind to me as he pointed out and kind of showed me some of the issues with it. I was working on, at the time, a way to capture lightning, and I, I thought I'd figured it out, um, and I was going to him, and my dad said, well, why don't you talk to, to him, and so I, I set up a meeting, and I was able to go visit him in his home. And he had all of these wonderful insights, and he very calmly and politely explained to me a lot of the good points and a lot of the areas where there might need to be some improvement in my in my process. Uh, and it was great; it was it was awesome to talk with him because I thought he was just you know this amazing amazing mind, which he is. And you know, it was good to have him be. He was very polite, which is sometimes I think lost when it's very intelligent adults talking to at the time a teenager you know, who obviously did not near, have nearly as much uh, physics training as he had. So I think there was a good, I, I think he did a good job being very polite to me and not quashing my dreams, but helping me see the, the, the progress that needed to be made before those things could come true. Um, but one of the things that I was able to do is I, I he was, the, the, he took me down to his, his study um, and we, all, all along the wall, all over the wall, he had these still motion, uh, high-speed shots that were taken with bullets firing through things. 
and he was telling he told me a story about the times he had been speaking at an international conference about physics about I can't remember exactly what the topic was but how he had been using these pictures to demonstrate a specific physics event and how the the, the process of the photography was so important because not only did the photography help create the evidence that he used to support his his um, discussion but it was also uh, a great way to help people who were, didn't speak English enjoy the conference as well because they could see what was on the screen rather than having to, to just hear what it was and trying to figure it out if English was their second language. And I thought that was a very interesting point that he, that he was doing, you know, that this idea of presentation of an idea is so important because not everyone comes from the same perspective. And so having a, a much broader, uh, broadly accepted kind of, of method of, of conveying that is a much more valuable way of doing it than just having good words. Like we talked about yesterday, copy's important. Don't neglect copy, but at the same time, realize the, the factor of how copy relates to the rest of your, your presentation. But anyway, he pulled a book off his shelf and he gave it to me, and I'm pretty sure I still have it with my, with my books. It was a bound book that said Inventions on the cover. And, or maybe it was lab notes, I can't quite remember. But what he said is he handed it to me, he said, here is my gift to you. Write your ideas down in this. And he talked about how you know it was bound and it was specific so it could be used when you're in court defending your patent and all of these other wonderful things. And he was, it was a very, very kind gesture. And it was also the first time I started really writing down my ideas in a, in a, in a technical sense. I'd, I'd started journaling a little bit before then, but I had never really gotten to the point where I was drawing out and sketching out, you know, true designs for, for inventions. And so that's where it really began there that I started to create a kind of a real true record of my stuff, which now that I have the Murdy number one is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful kind of thing to be able to write my ideas in. Um, but I think it was it was because of his kindness and his generosity and his willingness to to talk with me, to meet with me, to explain to me. And also, I mean, at some level, his link to this incredible company, the Parker Pen Company, and, and the demonstration. And he talked a lot about the, the company. He talked a lot about how they were so focused on innovation and, and how that was such an important part of who they were, what the company DNA was, was the idea that, you know, we were always going to be on the forefront of innovation. And he always talked about how the... The, the, the atmosphere and the, the heyday of the, the research and development team was this, this incredible idea of just how can we make the next great thing and how that really functionally led him to eventually develop the round thermostat. So if you've ever uh, had, most people have them in their homes, but if you ever see a round thermostat on the wall, uh, William Heiser was one of the, the founding people that kind of invented that technology and was a fundamental part of its success. So uh, you can, if you ever, you know, if you ever have one of those, just remember who he was and what he did. So uh, it's wonderful to, to, to have that connection to the history. And I always like to encourage, I always put that in our photos and I kind of have made that the official pen of our company just as a, as a, a real tribute to another innovator and another great business person who really understood the, the foundation of quality in the product. And I think that's so important to all of us. All right, so today's use, I kind of touched on it a little bit. I think everyone should have a journal to write down their ideas. I think people should should absolutely document those ideas because you think you're going to remember. You think you couldn't possibly forget this great idea, but there's a lot of great ideas that, that kind of slip away because people have them in a burst of inspiration and then just never write them down and they forget about them. They forget the details. So I would say first and foremost, have a journal, have something. I mean, it doesn't have to be mine. I would just say do it to any anywhere, but I think ours is the best. But write your ideas down. 
truly document them. Take good, you know, photos if you can. Uh, sketch them out. You know, do everything you need in this in this nice journal. And then you can what you can do. The best part of Armory Number One design is you can unbind it, take that page and scan it in a scanner if you want. You know, have it digitally as well. So, um, day in a life. Today is Saturday. We've been working really hard this morning and getting all of our Friday orders out like we always do. I'm actually taking a minute to go back and reviewing our uh, our advertising spend. We've been as we get into the Christmas season, like I talked about in our fall episode, one of the things that happens is advertising becomes more expensive because more companies start doing it more. And I absolutely understand that. That makes perfect sense to me. But I'm trying to evaluate for us, how can we work on kind of either tailoring our ads or how can we get the best ads to to do the best they can? We obviously don't want to cut back too much on our spending budget, but we also want to be able to say, is there a way to strategically spend the same amount of money and get more bang from our buck as that uh, that cost of advertising goes up during the fourth quarter? So that's one of the things I'll be doing today is reading over those reports and that analysis and seeing if I can't find a solution to that issue. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check it back in tomorrow for our next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button below to get the latest podcast right away. If you have any questions or concern about your leather binder, please feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murdycreative.co. Or you can contact us via our Instagram and Facebook. You can text, email, call, direct message, all the usuals, and I'll do my best to be available whenever possible. I do appreciate your patience as it sometimes takes a little bit for me to get back to you guys now. If you think we deserve it, a, re a really good review can go a long way to help our community grow. Uh, if you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. This was a, a podcast that came from my father, so who knows? Maybe your podcast could lead to something great. I'm always happy to engage with our growing community, and I want to give you guys what you want. If you're looking for multiple binders for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason to ask about our book discounts, we do have those available. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day, and goodbye.